Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. As first guest to our podcast series, I'd like to welcome David Walker, Chief Group Development Officer of DNVGL, based in Hervik, close to Norway's capital Oslo. Welcome, David. Thank you, Matthias. Let's right jump into today's topic, the future of the electricity landscape, and let us set the scene for a start. So in my mind, there is an energy revolution ahead, not only because the recent Paris COP21 agreement demands this to reach the agreed top-down global target of keeping warming between 2 and 1.5 degrees Celsius, but more so because first we can, i.e. through technology advancement, and second, we want to transition into a safer, smarter and greener energy future, solving the trilemma of affordability, reliability and sustainability of power supply. What are the megatrends in your mind, David, shaping the electricity landscape of the future? Well, I actually think there are three key themes, if you like, that immediately um, spring to mind. Um, the first one is, uh, if you like, in larger cities, conurbations, that we'll see uh, a nexus forming between the potential for distributed generation, which will largely be solar, coupled with storage, coupled with uh, more energy efficient buildings, and also e-mobility. So if you like, we'll have these uh, clusters of, of of efficient cities that will meet start to meet the needs of, of urbanization that we're seeing as a trend across the, the globe. Um, the second uh, one is that, you know, even those those cities will still need um, some sort of backup of you like a power, as will heavy industry, as will transportation services. So we'll not see the complete demise of central larger power stations or, or wind farms or, or solar parks. And so um, those will continue to be pressure on those to become more efficient. In the case of wind, some of it may be, be offshore. Um, and then hopefully in, the, in terms of the thermal generation as well to meet the COP21 objective and the um, sustainability element in the trilemma that um, carbon capture and storage will become an element in, in the thermal power game. But they will also have to transmit their power. And I think that will happen by a, um, more of a hybrid grid that will include HVDC as well as what are now conventional uh, AC lines. So we'll see more efficient centralized power being transmitted uh, longer distances um, to make sure we have the, the right backup to, the, to the, the new cities, but also in terms of supporting as the industry and transportation. And the third theme, uh, if you like, is the one around digitalization. Uh, and by that, I mean not only smart devices from smart appliances and smart uh, meters, but also, if you like, uh, the introduction of more power electronics into the system to control the overall grid more efficiently, to steer power to where it's needed uh, more quickly. Uh, and so that sort of combination of all those sort of three clusters, if you like, of technology, I think will be the main technological differences that we'll see in the electricity uh, future. But uh, one of the key things, I think it comes out of COP21 again, is what are governments going to do, if you like, to support these developments going forward to make sure we make the sort of transition that I'm describing to make sure we are looking at that cleaner future that COP21 aspires to. So what we are looking at here is truly a new era ahead, substantially changing industry. Looking at the current electricity landscape, David, are we and is the industry prepared for this? 
I think it's a very uh, interesting question because, and I think it's one that's very difficult to actually answer because I think, you know, I would say yes and no. Um, and the variations are uh, a mixture of, of geographical and market, if you like, drivers, which mean that, if you like, that in, in certain um, countries and areas, if there is a political will, um, to drive some of these uh, changes that we've just described, which may require uh, in incentives in certain areas, recognizing at the same time that you know many of the renewables technologies I mentioned are coming down to um, in grid price parity with the conventional mm -hmm. power. Um, but if you have the right political incentives and um, you know the, the right and, and capital is actually quite cheap at the moment, um, so those two things together you know should actually drive along with uh, new players in the market. So we're seeing new entrants investing in the electricity market that we haven't always uh, seen um, with new business models. So there are a number of factors that say that would make me say yes, we can do this. Um, but the concern I have is that, if you like, the, because there's such a concern also on the cost of power or electricity in many markets, um, and that that is also a political issue, that that might, to some extent, curtail or offset the drive to meet the COP21 goals. And we've seen that in some countries uh, in recent um, time. But let's hope COP21 overcomes that. In the developing uh, countries, though, we have an opportunity for them to leapfrog past some of the uh, historic uh, both uh, grid models and, and, and business models. Uh, and again, if, if you know the right um, funding can be used to support them from aid agencies or from investment banks or the development banks, then they have an opportunity, I think, to move to those, if you like, solutions I described much more quickly and, and perhaps um, be able to put in place much cleaner, more efficient energy systems, if you like, um, almost at an earlier part of their overall uh, development as countries. And I think that would be a, a quite a big boost. Right. So when we talk to utilities, which are one of our main clients today, we see that there's a lot of uncertainty about their future. They are fascinated by what's happening, but they are also, they are also seeing the threat for themselves. What do you think could be DNVGL's role there to help them? Well, I think there's a number of roles, of course, that we that we play already um, in terms of, um, you know, they're looking to grow in uh, non-traditional directions for them um, and make investments that have maybe been of a different uh, kind from the ones that they've made uh, historically um, into these new energies or into distributed um, uh, generation and the sort of the nexus that I was describing. Then we can obviously provide them with, with technical support um, from everything from... Uh, uh, engineering support, if you like, through to uh, also, uh, you know, due diligence or, or if they're going to purchase assets. Um, so that's something we can continue to develop. We continue to help them to, uh, you know, make these assets that they, they do have more efficient by the skill sets that we actually can uh, provide. And I mean, overall, when you look at their whole systems, we can help them to become more efficient, energy efficient, uh, and hopefully de-risk their systems further with the services that we can uh, that we can also provide. Um, but I think they're just, you know, one sector. What we, you know, also recognize, as I mentioned, there are a whole lot of other new players also entering the market that we can also help and support um, because of their new and they're really coming more from a pure investment side than, again, our technical knowledge of the whole energy value chain should provide them um, with some comfort uh, in terms of, again, recognizing the risks and helping them to manage those as they make their investments. So for the future, how I see this, the importance of data processing companies like Alphabet, Apple, um, Microsoft uh, might become very important. What do you think about, will we see some mergers and acquisitions between utilities and information communication technology firms in the future? 
I think that's a possibility. I mean, I think what I'm seeing at the moment is I would not rule any bets off the table because I think we're in such a state of, of, of flux. I mean, you're right in that the, the um, industry as a whole is becoming data intensive because of the use of uh, embedded sensors and equipment, um, smart metering uh, that I mentioned uh, previously, the volume of data being generated um, by the, um, the whole value chain of, of the electricity is increasing exponentially. And so uh, people have to try and make sense of this uh, so-called um, big data, no matter which uh, role they play, I think, in the industry, because all, all of us will have um, exposure to this. So I think, you know, from what I see there is, even though there may be companies like you described that can actually identify patterns in the data, and sometimes it probably doesn't matter what the pattern is, but you react to it, uh, where there is a, a need certainly to um, understand the patterns and develop, um, you know, actions based on those, that is where I believe domain knowledge will still be important. And a company like DNVGL will be able to help customers to understand that and make changes for their you know, future benefit to make things safer, to make them smarter, to make them greener. Uh, and that's where I see us adding a value to, to the companies. Right. So my last question would be about the adaptation. Like, How does a company like DNVGL, with a heritage of 150 years serving very traditional industries, have to adapt to the new realities. What is DNVGL doing to get ready for a future today? Nobody really knows yet how it will look like. Well, I think we're doing a, a number of things. Um, for instance, is that um, you know we're not starting from ground zero in many places. We've been developing um, you know if you like digital based uh, services for quite some time. Um, in the terms of the electricity um, value chain, if you like, I think one of the pluses, if you like, is that um, the uh, renewable energy industry as a whole, if you like, has grown up at the same time, if you like, as the exposure to embedded sensors and, and data generation on a bigger scale and more detailed forecasting. And so, if you like, we're used to in several of our services handling these sort of data volumes and understanding what they mean, both for the design, build, and operate phases of um, these clients' assets. And so, I think, you know, from that standpoint, we need to build on that. Uh, a, you know, a historic uh, uh, strength that we that we actually that we actually have, and we already have a number of services and things like cybersecurity, for instance, where we can advise customers on that. Because there's no doubt that the energy industries will be a target, mm -hmm. uh, either from uh, other governments or even you know extortionists, um, or even people concerned about their private data from their smart meter. So that's another area we already have services that we can we can actually um, build on, and we're always very interested in joining if you like to set standards in this area because I think that's one area that you know that we will see is that there are not a lot of standards in some of these digital uh, areas we're talking about that we're always happy to um, join in either joint industry projects with a group of, of um, uh, customers because I think in that sort of way we can actually often move more quickly while we wait for the normal standard setters if you like in the industry to, to catch up but we can make sure then that we're that with ourselves and our customers we're providing if you like a, a an early version of a standard that the customers can feel um, and their customers can feel confident around when certifying against it um, so joint industry projects, joint development projects with another partner, spending 5% of our revenues on uh, research. And of that, the majority of that going forward will be towards data smart digital services. Um, so I think, you know, that we're well um, placed 
and it's certainly we you know we recognize this change is is underway already the transformation is already happening i think the key thing is it's accelerating and you know we need to be a digital accelerator too thank you very much david for your valuable insight Definitely, it looks like we have exciting times ahead, and I'm really curious where the world will be in a decade from now. Our discussion we just had let me think about what the notorious computer scientist Alan Key famously once said, the best way to predict the future is to invent it. And I'm afraid, David, I, I kind of stole that from you, but nevertheless, it fits quite well here. It's indeed a space to watch, and I wish ourselves, DNVGL, and our clients a successful transformation into a new era. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash talksenergy.